Hello, creative, and welcome back to the Empowered Creatives podcast, finding confidence between hustle and burnout. I'm your host, Victoria Hines, creative career coach, helping creatives just like you navigate those twists and turns in your career. I'm really excited about my guest this week on the show. Her name is Rachel Ash. She is a graduate of the creative photography program at Humbar College in Ontario and is self-taught in paper cutting and sculpting. She creates hand-cut artwork and installations from paper. Her work is an intersection of the disciplines of art, craft, and design, and she credits her former position as a photographer at the Textile Museum of Canada and an extensive exposure to handcrafted textiles as a major influence on her work with paper to this day. She's exhibited exhibited across Canada, the U.S., the U.K., as well as been published in Uppercase Magazine and the books Design Genius, Paper Play, and Rag and Pulp. She lives and works in beautiful Vancouver, B.C., and the unceded traditional territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and how do you pronounce the last tribe? I should have asked you before we started this. Musqueam, Squamish, and Swalatooth. Swalatooth. I, I was yes. familiar with Squamish, but the other two are who are new to me. Amazing. Well, welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about our conversation. Me too. We um we had that little uh, previous quick conversation and I'm excited to dive in deeper to uh, what we were talking about. Biggest question, I always start the podcast with this. What do creatives need to know is possible today? That's a big question. <laughs> I think that anything is possible and that everyone is creative, right? Like Often creatives are only thought of as artists. And I think creativity comes up in every area of everyone's life. And it's, yeah, it's creativity is everywhere and in everyone. Mm, I love that too, because there's so many, you know, we often feel from a young age that like, if we're not doing one version of a creative life or career, then that's maybe considered a failure. But I think it's so beautiful to recognize that creative can creativity can show up anywhere and it's it's kind of a a personal choice on how to interweave it into your life yeah and I find that in my other jobs as you know not involving art at all uh, a lot of creativity comes into play in terms of you know problem solving or um executing on things yeah I think there's just creative thinking comes up in many different ways. Absolutely. I'm excited to dive into your other jobs because I think many people who listen to this podcast have creative lives as well as maybe jobs that are paying the bills that they also maybe enjoy too. Um, But before we dive into that, I want to know a little bit more about what got you into art and being an artist in the first place. Yeah, I've I've always been an artist ever since I was a little kid. Um, Art class was always my favorite thing at school, did art all through high school, uh, mostly focused on drawing and a little bit of painting. And uh, when I was making the decision of what to go to school for, um, to go to college, I ended up deciding to focus on photography instead of art because I just lacked confidence in my, my drawing and painting skills and felt more confident in my photography skills. So went to school for photography at Humber College. And then have worked 
uh, worked as a photographer for quite a long time, including at the Textile Museum of Canada. And it was only maybe by mm, 2007 when I was transitioning from uh, film photography to digital photography um, that I really felt this lack of hands-on process, you know, because digital photography is you're on the computer all the time. So I was on the computer all the time and it was just lacking that kind of tactile um, element that I really craved. And so I started exploring collage and then altered book art, and then it eventually led to paper cutting. So um, even as a photographer, like I was very much the kind of person who loves to experiment. So I would experiment with photo-based process of printing and, and um, realizing my photographic projects and experimenting with lots of different cameras like Holgas and uh, plastic cameras. And uh, so, yeah, like lots of different ways of um, approaching art and creativity. Hmm. That's awesome. You are also not the first artist I've heard who, you know, how to find a new, you know, so much of art, so much of art period it, it has moved into a technical digital landscape on the computer. And I know I've talked to architects who were in the same boat of like, they used to be like hand sketching drawings, which whew, sounds like a lot for architecture, but like once it moved into that computer-based system, it's like you, you do, you lose that ability to use your hands and just get kind of like caught into a project, which doesn't happen quite as easily on the computer. I love your story there. So um, I know we spoke prior about your other job, but why don't you tell our audience a little bit about what you do as well as being an artist? Because um, you work in the tech world, correct? Yeah, uh, I've worked in tech for quite a number of years, but I'm I'm the non-technical person usually at a company. <laughs> so doing operation, administration, event plan, event planning. And so I currently work at a a company called um, Haifa Worker Cooperative. And it's a tech co-op that's worker-owned. Um, I sound like a socialist probably saying that, but <laughs> no. uh, and I'm the operations <laughs> operations coordinator there. And it's it's a remote job and it's a new role there. So I'm really defining, helping them kind of improve process. Um taking over sort of tasks that have been distributed amongst the team and kind of centralizing it. And it's, it's working on, um, you know, a whole mix of tasks, like including finance and operations and event planning, um, a bit of HR, all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. And it's, um, a lot of the jobs that I do have involved, you know, working on the financial parts of the company, like bookkeeping and uh, invoicing and and things like that, which is a lot of stuff that generally people hate. Uh-huh. <laughs> and definitely artists really hate the finance part. And so it's been, for me, like a great exposure to being comfortable with doing those kind of tasks mm. and, and understanding them and trying to make other people comfortable with them. Like, yeah, everybody's always comfortable with, uncomfortable with financials. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not, money's such a weird thing. And I mean, I feel like we could have an entire different podcast about this, but like money mindset and kind of getting over that hump of not being afraid of money. 
um, especially as an artist and recognizing that it's almost, it's just another tool that's there for you to do the work that you want to do. But um, how, how does your world um, working in tech and operations, which is very familiar to me, I feel like I've been in your shoes before doing six different jobs. How does that world intercollide and really complement your artistic world? Well, I think for sure, artists these days need a lot of different skills. Um, I have a huge skill set and I benefit from that because uh, I can look after my practice in so many different ways, right? Like I I have writing skills so that I can write proposals or emails reaching out to people about things. Um, I'm comfortable, you know, sending invoices to people because like I do that as part of uh, the work that I do. You know, like a lot of people can be uncomfortable with that. Like even though you did the work, the client understands you're charging them, there's still this discomfort with that. Um, you know, like I'm very comfortable using social media and and um, doing marketing that way, right? Like you have, as an artist, you that's another area that you have to understand is like, how do you market your work? And even exploring a little bit of, you know, um, turning my work into NFTs. Like I have a certain level of understanding of that because of, you know, working in tech or, and having a very technical uh, life partner too. So it all sort of helps um, just being able to kind of function as an artist, you know, and, and have a, have a practice, I guess, that um, is active and, and yeah, trying to be a professional artist. You just, I just feel like you need so many skills. Like even because I'm a photographer, I can also photograph my own work and, uh, you know, document it in the way that I want it, it to be, want it to be presented to the world. So yeah, that's yet another skill that like, if you don't have that, then you're paying someone else to do it though. Although I kind of would like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending on what level you are with your professional art practice, like you're outsourcing that stuff. But for me, yeah. like I'm not at that level. So I have the skills to do all those things. Mm-hmm. 100%. I can so deeply relate to everything you just said. And I, I think that was something missing when I was younger is that every artist in today's day and age is essentially their own entrepreneur. And, and you're right. Once you get to maybe a certain level or, or a certain income bracket, 100% you can out, like outsource all the things that you don't want to be doing. Or even if you have a full-time job and you're also doing this, maybe a portion of those funds go towards outsourcing, uh, which is something I'm, I, I do, um, because I, time is a, a hard one, but, um, yeah, I, I always think back to this when I launched my own business. And I remember I was in like these business cohorts or talking to other people who were also launching their businesses and they did not understand why I was so good at email marketing. And they were just confused. And I mean, I had an acting background, but I was working in a nonprofit arts administration setting for a year. And for what, three years, I was crafting email communications in MailChimp or Constant Contact. And it's it's one of those things of like, you never, all those skills you learn in these other jobs are, can be so directly in, related or impactful to yeah. your business and pulling them in and figuring out. They're totally applicable. Yep. 
What I know you touched on this briefly, but what has um, really diving into finances in your day job done with like diving into finances in your art? I have to say, I I'm not as good with my own personal sure. <laughs> as I am with uh, you know working the the jobs that I work at, um, mm-hmm. and I guess I guess that a big part of that is just like because there is a separation, right? Like you're always more uncomfortable with your own than you are with, or at least in my case, I'm less comfortable with my own than I am with, um, you know, the professional uh, way of doing finances and bookkeeping. But I guess one of the things is like, I'm totally comfortable invoicing and demanding the money that I'm owed if it comes down to that. And I think that is, it's something that people struggle with as a freelancer, like making sure that you, you know, it it happens, like making sure that you get paid. Um, Some people, sometimes you do the work and they don't want to pay you. And so like, it requires a lot of like, I don't know if it's confidence or not, but just like determination for sure to make sure that you get paid. Absolutely. What have you, what have you done in those instances where somebody's either just not not paying you and you've already done the work for them or what have been some of your tactics to solve that situation? It hasn't happened to me necessarily personally, um, but I have had to do it in my, um, in my jobs where I've had to like follow up and follow up and follow up. And, and yeah, like you really have to be determined about it to make sure that it, you know, they don't ignore you. Um, yeah. And you don't want it to get to the point where you have to escalate, right? Like involving lawyers. I've never had to do that, unfortunately. And I don't want to because that's just, it's just messy. Well, and luckily, I think as an artist, most of the time, whether it's a service or a project, there's ways to protect yourself in the contract. Yeah. To not give the full service or the full product upfront. And it, it is fully deliverable upon payment. Yeah. 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 Like I, I think my approach with not running into that is like, I am paid before any work leaves my possession. You know, that's the, the simplest way to deal with it. And yeah. yeah. And make sure like, yes, that money is clearly where it should be. You know, I don't accept checks. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know <laughs> if that's a, a thing. Like it used to be a thing. Sometimes people sure. check and it's like, no. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. I also, I mean, I don't know about you, but when you're, especially when you're the only person running your own business, um, it's so easy to want to bend over backwards to just meet people out there where they're at, especially if you're wanting to get paid. But I've also found like standing behind the process I put in place for getting payment is so incredibly important of, you know, I want to I want to meet people where they're at, but I don't want to create five different processes for people to pay me. It's it's kind of like yeah. I set up the one, I spent the time doing the one, I'm paying a service to have the one process. And that's the one that I'm going to use. But yeah, it's so, I think you're right. It It takes a level of determination to kind of stand your ground of this is what I deserve and this is what I deserve in my business. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should have confidence in your work that you delivered what was asked for. Um, 
Yeah, I've heard some horror stories, but unfortunately, I've not. Fortunately, I have not experienced it. Luckily, direct on. Going back to you know, kind of working in the tech world and operations as well as your art. What do you find to be the most challenging about doing both? It's definitely a juggling act of finding, you know, like not letting, sometimes the operations part of my brain really takes over. And I feel like I'm not spending enough time thinking about my creative projects. I haven't actually been in the studio very much the last couple of weeks because I've needed to concentrate on um, an online show that I'm working on. So there's been a lot of like, working on the images of that, working on the text for it. And so I haven't been doing that in the studio and it's work that needs to get done, but it's more admin than, and it's not, it doesn't feel creative, but it's kind of the culmination of that work getting to a certain point so that it can go out into the world. So, yeah, I think it's just because I work part-time, the time that I have available to work on my art practice, it's not always spent on making art. It's, it's di- it's subdivided on its own set of <laughs> operation tasks and admin and you know all that kind of stuff rather than like I'm in my studio making art you know and I definitely feel like this week like I need to get into my studio and I want to make some stuff or just play you know I really need some time this summer I think like to just play and experiment and explore ideas and you know yeah that's I think that's my biggest struggle is just making that time because sometimes it's going into the studio like I need to do this thing and maybe it's making something for something rather than just kind of playing and exploring. So I, yeah, I'm missing that time right now and I really need it. So Mm. I'm hoping that like this week when I'm in the studio, I'll get that time. Yeah. What's, what's been a tactic I mean, well, first off, I can say I can highly, highly relate to everything you just said of, you know, when you're, when you're balancing multiple jobs, it's, there's always that ebb and flow and there's always feels like there's, um, sometimes you have to focus on, you know, the job that the tech company is paying you for. And sometimes you get to focus on your business, but even when you focus on your business, sometimes it is just the administrative tasks to get things up and running again. And how, how do you know? when you are out of balance and what do you do to autocorrect? I think it's when a certain amount of time has passed and I realize, like, oh, I haven't made any new art in X amount of time. And I really feel that lack because it is an important um, aspect of who I am, like that need Mm -hmm. to make, uh, it's such a huge driver. And, you know, for me right now, it has been a couple of weeks since I've actually made anything, you know, like I made some new pieces and I guess that was last a couple of weeks ago. And it just feels like, Ooh, it's been too long. You know, I, I want to sit down and, um, get some ideas and, you know, start a new embroidery project and like, just feel that, um, yeah, explore some new ideas. It, it's like, it's just like a little feeling that you have where it's like mm-hmm. that little bit is missing and like you're craving it. And, mm-hmm. um, and also because I'm, you know, I'm kind of wrapping stuff up. It's also this wanting this desire to kind of 
start something new, start some new work and see where I'm going to go next. So yeah, I have all these different, like that craving for like that need to play and make and create. Definitely have that really strongly this week because I haven't really been in the studio very much. Yeah. Also sounds like to kind of make that happen, you're setting, like, it sounds like you've already set an intention for yourself of, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I need to do. I, you personally need, need to get back into the studio, need to play around and giving yourself a, a, a timeline of sorts, but it sounds like you're open to it. Not, not hitting, not hitting if it's not perfect. Yeah. I, I know that if it's been a while since I've been in the studio and had time to make that it takes a little time to ramp back up again. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and I always feel impatient to like, Oh, I want to do this new thing right away when it's like, okay, no, no, you need to do this and do, you know, kind of like do a bit of um, looking through books and looking at papers and sketching some ideas, like all those things. It's all part of the process, you know, of Mm -hmm. feeding your, feeding your creativity. I feel like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like my creativity right now feels undernourished. My and I, so I need to go and nourish it again in order to kind of get working on something, get back into the flow. I'm missing the flow. Yeah. I like that. So it sounds like kind of um, having an exploratory phase of just feeding yourself and immersing yourself and setting aside time to just play. Um, yes. And then knowing that at some point it's going to flip into making and building and creating again. Uh, one of the things I sometimes do, and I haven't done this in a while, is actually give myself a daily project for a month. Ooh, so like, like really, really um, specific parameters so that it it's a daily project that I can fit in in a short amount of time, uh, you know, every single day for, you know, usually a month is about as long as it needs. Yeah. There's a bunch of them that I've done over the years. And so I usually find like that gives me that little spark of feeding the creativity every day. And it doesn't really matter what the results are. It's more about just that act of creation. Absolutely. Especially, Mm. yeah. Especially when I'm feeling like that lack of, yeah, needing to feed (laughs) my creativity. It's a way to do it and not overthink it too. Yeah. It's, it doesn't sound like it's not something you're um, maybe intending to sell or you're not making it or creating it for anybody, but it's just, it's for yourself to get the juices flowing again. That's awesome. Hey, creative. I'm going to take a quick moment to give a shout out to Artera, who supported the creation of this episode. Artera is redefining the future of art galleries, where art, storytelling, and innovation collide. If you hop on over to their site, they are not only showcasing incredible artists, including the artist who is my guest today on the pod, but Artera is also a community nurturing both established and growing artists alike. If you are a visual artist, sculptor, or maker looking for a supportive and tech-savvy community, check out Artera. If you are an interior designer looking to fill your designs, your homes with curated art, check out Artera. 
And if you are an art lover who enjoys learning the story of an artist before you buy, you should definitely check out Artera. Alrighty, let's dive back into the show. So I wanted to dive into the whole tech side because uh, I know in our, our conversation prior, you like had all these wonderful thoughts. And I think it's something we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast is, so you work in tech, you also have a partner who's very tech focused. I currently have a job in tech as well. I'm curious, what changes do you see happening in the tech world and how will they, or are they going to impact artists? I think one of the biggest changes, this, this is, been a long time coming though, but just um, people's feelings around social media, you know, like Twitter has kind of blown up because of everything that's happened over there. And lots of people have moved away from it. And then, you know, most of the people I know that use Instagram as an artist, like everyone feels so frustrated with um with using it, right? Like you feel like you can't connect, you can't reach people and it's so frustrating and it feels pointless. I I definitely feel like this every single week, like, do I keep using this? And so there is a movement in tech and it's more in the open source community, um, like trying to figure out how can we do these social networks that are not driven by uh, profits because that's that's the thing that always uh, undermines the the community aspect of a social network, right? Like suddenly there's ads and algorithms and all these things that take away from people actually being able to connect or to be seen and heard. Um, yeah, so that's something that I see with uh, distributed web projects and an open source project. And I'm I'm not an expert at on it by any means, but it's just kind of what I observed. So yeah, I think I'm interested to see like what will new social networks look like. And, and, you know, a lot of people who have moved off of Twitter are now on uh, Mastodon, which is like a version of Twitter, but different, not controlled, not centrally controlled. It's more of a distributed web style of uh, a Twitter. And also, hopefully nobody's going to come at me with misdescribing these things. <laughs> I'm hoping I'm getting it right. Because um, I don't actually use Mastodon, but um, my partner, you know, he's been like, why don't you, you know, move to this now? And for me, like, I'm not sure I want to move to another, yet another social network. Like, mm-hmm. I sort of have a fatigue around them, even though I want to connect with people. And then I guess another thing is, like, people are really thinking about and concerned about like AI, um, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, AI generated images or chat GPT and, and those sort of things taking away from artists. And I think what I said to you was like, can we use these things for, you know, the kind of tasks we don't actually want to do? Like artists, the point of them is to like, make time so that we can make art, not take away art from artists, mm-hmm. you know, like, please someone get AI to do my taxes or other things like that, rather than like make my art for me. I don't need that, you know, right. but, but at the same time, like they are interesting tools 
um, to do certain things. And so it's still in early stages of like, what is this and what does it mean for us? But there's lots of anxiety around, um, around what, what they are and what they could mean and how they could, you know, potentially destroy the world is, you know, one of of the many like (laughs) things being talked about. Like, I don't know. Sure. If we've learned, if we've learned anything from lots of media exposure to um, artificial intelligence, like Westworld and and other things like that is like, just be nice to the artificial being, treat them well, (laughs) you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Treat them well. Because otherwise, like they are gonna rise up and they're gonna be angry. So yeah. You can't I mean, blame them for that. No, you can't. <laughs> I mean, tech is at the end of the day, and I think this is really hard to remember, tech is a neutral object. AI is completely neutral. It has zero stakes yes. in any game. It's all about what we as humans do with it and how we treat it and Yes, is it going to change our culture? And, you know, we as a culture are going to start grappling with like, what does it mean? And how do we integrate it into our lives? How, what do we see as taboo, et cetera? But it's not AI itself. It's, it's us as humans grappling with the new technology. And I, I completely agree that, you know, I work, I work for an automation and integration company and there was one thing working in nonprofit arts administration. When I hopped into that job, I think in 2016, I was baffled by the amount of data entry. And like, I would spend hours cleaning up data, hours upon hours upon hours. And I looked back at that job and there was moments where I was sitting there and I was like, a human is never, was never meant to do this. This was never meant because I, like, I knew I was making mistakes along the way. I was really good. But I was like, this is not, this is not good. And like, that's something I realized with automation and integration is those repetitive tasks, the things that happen over and over and over and over again, that don't, at the end of the day, when we as humans do them, they don't require much thinking, but they take time. And those are often the things that I think offloading to AI or automation or all these different technologies, like that's where the power is because then you get the time back to use it how you actually want to, like creating your art or um, building and doing what you want to be doing. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about, like technology is just a tool and what it is really good at is efficiency from my perspective, right? Like yep. when people look at my paper, paper cut art, they're often they're often assuming that it's not hand cut, it's laser cut. And so part of it for me is like trying to point out that, yeah, lasers don't actually cut better than me. I'm very good at cutting. That's why you think a laser cut it. But it's not that humans are not good at certain things. It's just Mm -hmm. that like we've created machines for efficiency because they can do them faster. Absolutely. Not not better, just faster. Sure. Just faster and yeah. With a laser. Yes. Cooler. <laughs> but I think there's, you know, this is a really cool moment to I think especially for business owners, 
I, I've also realized, like I've started asking myself, what are those things that I don't like doing in my business? What are the things about running this business that get laborious and maybe aren't impacting my customers? They're not directly tied to the work that I do. They're not tied to the things that I love doing. And are there ways that I can start offloading those things to AI or other technologies or and I mean, I'll, I'll be fully transparent. I'm playing around with making show notes via AI for this podcast. And it's actually pretty brilliant because, you know, I would have to sit there and re-listen to the conversation I had for like 45 minutes and then take notes and then go spend another 30 minutes typing them up. And all I was doing was creating a summary of what we, what we are going to be talking about on this podcast. But the part I love is the conversation with you, Rachel, and not sitting there and typing show notes. So being able to offload those things or even just get an idea of what to start writing with is it's a nice, it's a nice area to have some time back. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, um, chat GPT, um, my partner's business partner has used it it to generate uh, sort of not tech support emails, but like those kind of spammy inquiry emails. And it's, it's really funny, (laughs) but yeah, why not, why not use GPT to respond to things? You're just like, this would take me a lot of time and brain power and you could do it. And I I can just tweak it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like an assistant. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. What do you think has been your most valuable asset as an artist? Oh, what is my most valuable asset as an artist? You know, I think it's actually community. Um, You can't really be an artist without community, right? Like you need people to show up for you, support you, interact with you on Instagram, um, buy your work, help promote the things that you do. Like, yeah, I think community is so important. Um, It's one of the things I've actually been struggling with lately is just like feeling a lack of community, even though I've been part of a community and just like, what is this, my post COVID network community look like? And it feels like it needs a little tending, like a garden, like my creativity also needs. Absolutely. What do you feel like is the aspect that's missing the most that maybe you're seeking? I think it just for me, like I haven't quite gone back to uh, pre-COVID social life, you know, of seeing people regularly and and catching up and, or doing studio visits and that sort of stuff. So I think that's what it needs, like just re- reaching out more, right? Like, because it it requires, you have to reach out as much as people reach out to you, or you have to reach out and not wait for people to reach out to you is, is, is I think what it is. And so, yeah, I guess I've just been busy with this new job and other things and really feeling like, okay, that also needs a little bit of work. A little bit of nurturing. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Our time is almost coming to an end. So my last question for you is what advice would you give to an artist who is looking to feel more confident in their career today? I think going back to um, community, right? Like uh, who are the 
are there artists around you? Like, if you're not feeling confident in your work, like bring people together and um, in, in, in person is best really. And like um, get them to look at and talk about your work. Um, talk to them about the things that you're struggling with and ask for advice. You know, like I, I think that's, that's ha- that'll help you build confidence. Um, definitely like when I'm struggling, um, you know, I've done this in the new studio where I am, uh, brought in, you know, my next door neighbor. Cause I'm like, I was struggling with some, how to frame some of the work and I needed a second opinion. And I wasn't sure if like we had the relationship where we could do that, but having her come in and she actually brought her partner who happened to be a framer. And I didn't know that. <laughs> and like, we had this, like, I asked them, I told them what I was struggling with and like their advice was amazing. And so that's really like was energizing and made me feel more confident about the work and also helped me like sort out the issue that I was having. So, so yeah, like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's one way that you can build confidence. Like you need to get your, yourself and your work out into the world. And sometimes online is not enough. Like in-person is always best. Yeah. I love that. All right, Rachel, where can we connect with you and what's what's going on in your your world? You can visit my website at rachelash.com. And oh, by the way, my name is spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. Often people get it wrong. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Rachel underscore Ash. Yeah, I think those are the two best places to find me. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel, for this conversation. I feel like we could have talked for longer, but Maybe maybe a second yes. episode of the future. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really great to like chat with you. It's fantastic. All right, creative. Here is your one thing this week. I want you to nurture your community, just like Rachel said. What's one area that you are currently feeling challenged with in your business or your art? Now identify who in your community can you ask for advice or wisdom in this area. Reach out to them this week. Better yet, see if they can meet you for lunch, coffee, ice cream, you name it, to really get back in touch and have a great one-on-one conversation. All right, if you've been enjoying this podcast, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. It's the number one way you can show your love back to me and back to the podcast. And until the next time, stay creative.